Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Karen Hartglass. You're listening to It's All About Food. Hey, thanks for being here. It's afternoon here, but it may not be afternoon where you are or when you're listening. And that's fine. I just thought I'd say good afternoon and shake things up a little bit. Because normally I just say, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Guess what? We're going to talk about food today. And I've got Gary DiMattei here to be my partner in the discussion. Hi, Karen. Hey, Gar. How are you today, this I, afternoon? I'm good, just like on all the hot days that we've been having over and over and over, rinse and repeat. We're enjoying iced tea chinos. Yes, they are. Mm. Hey, you had a great show last week. Gregory F. Tague, The Vegan Evolution. Yeah, I was really happy to discover him. Yeah, that was great. Recap a little bit about what Gregory does. You were really excited about this interview. Well, it's always great to discover other vegan people, especially those that go to the trouble or, or as their work do intensive research. And this particular book is somewhat academic, especially in the beginning. But it's a great place to find a lot of resources all in one place. Yeah, you were saying that. Not like you and I need any kind of convincing or that the listeners need convincing, but plenty of other people need convincing. So when I see books like this that are just loaded down... with resources and references of so many people who have focused on one little thing or another little thing or numerous things, but all of these things put together sum up one thing, which is the ideal diet for humans in terms of health, environment, and kindness to all living beings is the whole food plant diet. Yes, And you know what? The message is getting out, thanks to programs like yours. And um, a lot of people are getting getting the message, especially now about the environment. There's a lot of buzz going on about how a plant-based diet is really the only solution we can have. The plant-based diet is the, the most immediate solution. The most immediate. That's the key word, without, immediate. Without going through a lot of politics or red tape or anything, if we adopt a plant-based diet as a society, we can stop the planet from warming. The question is, is it a little too late? That we don't know. I always want to be hopeful. But it's interesting because I've been going through our book collection. Mm -hmm. And thanks to this program, we have a lot of books. But even before 2009, when It's All About Food began, there were a lot of books in the collection, and it's kind of overwhelming to me. We don't live in a library, (laughs) and some of those books really aren't up to date. Right. So I'm trying to thin out the collection, give away books, and unfortunately some of them are going to be recycled and turn into paper pulp. No, you have really tried to get 
these books into the right hands. But a lot of folks, as you mentioned, just don't want to take them. Yeah, it's hard. So I'm putting it out there. If anybody is interested in any of the books I've talked about on this program and you want it, I can send it to you if you cover the postage and whatever, and perhaps a donation to Responsible Eating and Living. That would be nice. But you really aren't making that a priority. You just want someone who wants the books. Yeah, if you if you have an organization that would like a library that's based on healthy plant eating for the environment, based on all the topics we've t- touched on on this show, health and cruelty to animals and politics and hunger and feeding the world all those topics i've got all kinds of books welfare ranching it's a favorite one of mine i'm working on getting this collection out so that other people can read but what i wanted to say is that going through this collection in some ways it's heartbreaking because I see books that were written in the 1980s. Right. That's like 40 years ago. Right. And a lot of that information is about the environment. It's about how animal agriculture negatively impacts the environment and causes what we're seeing today. This was all known ahead of time. So that's a bit heartbreaking. But I'm also letting go of books that aren't quite up to date. Because if I'm sharing information, I want people to have the most up-to-date, best information. That's my book collection. And what can I say? I'm kind of grieving. Right. And if folks don't want to receive the books, as I mentioned before, as we first started this show, there are archives where all of those things you just mentioned, all of the books that you've read, and you read every single book that you are sent, and then you interview the author, most of them, you can go to the Responsible Eating and Living Archives. You could go to the PRN Archives, and you can listen to these broadcasts of these folks that Karen has interviewed. They're all there, and they're all relevant. Everything from 2009 till today. So I'll go back to what I was saying about the message getting out. You know, it's even getting out with folks that I don't even want to plug or talk about. But um, you have to because it's making the veg newses, all of the <laughs> veg websites. And we should give a shout out that um, Clint Eastwood is in a film. 92-year-old Clint Eastwood is in a film... Uh, and he talks about, as this film supports, plant-based diet is critical for the planet. It's a new documentary called Why on Earth. Clint Eastwood. Yes, and it features the 92-year-old Clint Eastwood, who, in this film, and I haven't seen it, but apparently, and everybody's talking about, well, not everybody, but I mean, even even the the right-wing news outlets are talking about it, because Clint Eastwood is obviously someone who they have talked about a lot in the past. Clint is voicing his support that uh, a plant-based diet is the only way to fight the climate crisis. Well, I like to think that this issue is not partisan. It's not political. And I was really thinking that 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 thought, too, was maybe this is something we can all agree on. Yeah. And if both sides come together on this, it could really, really have great... Unfortunately, I think it is kind of partisan. But there are people 
on the red side that agree that global warming is a serious problem and is caused by human. Right. Humans creating greenhouse gases that are warming the environment. Right. The film's called Why on Earth? It's created by an animal rights advocate and filmmaker. Her name is Katie Cleary. Hmm. And the documentary was filmed across several countries. It focuses on the way humans have destroyed animal habitats and are ultimately destroying themselves. So there's a lot about that that we talk about on this program week after week after week. And now it seems to be making headway in the news outlets that wouldn't normally be talking about things like this. Those that are subsidized by giant agricultural interest industries sure. like meat and dairy. I was reading an article on water. Droughts are a big, big issue. And this one article actually mentioned it did not give it priority, but animal agriculture was in there as one of the contributors to global warming, which ultimately leads to all of these issues like floods and droughts and hurricanes and tornadoes and heat waves. And if we all stop eating animals, it could save water. It could save water. The problem won't go away, but just like Robert Goodland said long before he passed in his articles with Jeff Anhang, he told us that we could mitigate this problem. We wouldn't solve the problem, but we could slow the impact down significantly to give us time to make changes in our energy use. Climate catastrophe is upon us. I was just listening to a program on WNYC, my radio station that I like to listen to here in New York City. I even listen to it when I'm in other parts of the planet. But the report was talking about China, and they have been going through a heat wave for 70 days. Right. And a heat wave is when the temperature doesn't go below something like 86 degrees. 70 days. This is the worst heat wave in human history. Right. Okay. We're talking about it. So the things that we have to do as we listen to all of this, and those of us that are plant-based or vegan, which is what we would prefer, how do we balance this? How do we balance this depressing news? This depressing news. (laughs) So what we talk about on this program is food. And we balance this, this depressing news by making delicious vegan food that hopefully will inspire others to jump on the plant-based slash vegan bandwagon and try it out. It's getting easier and easier, right? There's lots of celebrities, as I mentioned, Clint Eastwood is now saying, yes, a plant-based lifestyle is really what you need to adopt if you are going to contribute to trying to save the planet from climate disaster. I haven't seen the documentary, as I mentioned, but that's one way. There are other people now who are saying the same thing, and they're opening businesses to support that. Another celebrity, Kevin Hart, just opened a plant-based fast food restaurant called Hart House. Uh, Several days ago, it opened, and it did record numbers. You could read all of the newspapers. 
You can Google Kevin Hart. He got a lot of press. Got a lot of press. Which you know is what? great. And That's great. Not everybody likes Kevin Hart, but no, not everybody any kind likes of uh, fast food, we're talking all about, plant thing is a good thing. We're talking about people who are controversial here. Clint Eastwood, Kevin Hart. We're balancing. <laughs> we're balancing. Right? But he's doing something about the fact that he thinks this is the way to go. And I have to agree with him that people need to adopt plant-based lifestyles. And, you know, looking at the myhearthouse.com website, which is the website for his new restaurant, and the plan is to have many of them. I think there's one or maybe two that just opened five days ago. They do have some healthy options. They have salads, kale crunch and Caesar salad. Yes, they do. They have, and you can get a side salad or a regular salad. They have some drinks that look reasonably refreshing rather than Coke and Pepsi. They have a berry patch and a limeade and an iced tea. And of course, they have the fries and the crispy tots and the burgers, which everyone loves, and chicken nugget. Yeah, I really like their mission. It's very simple. It's two sentences. Our mission and vision. Heart House is committed to the future of food and our overall well-being. We're on a mission that's simple, to make the food you know and love better for you, your wallet, and the planet. That says it all right there. Exactly. Now, I'm not sure what he's using for his chicken nuggets and his burgers. Our promise, it says on the site. No cholesterol, no antibiotics, no hormones, no artificial colors, no preservatives, no corn syrup, no trans fat. Yeah, it's probably a lot of deep fried stuff, but hey. It's better than McDonald's and all of the other similar fast food burger places, right? I think so, from the heart. Absolutely, yep. Kevin Hart says, I founded Hart House to create a good experience that combines the joy of coming together over food with the power of purpose. Our amazing chefs and team members have crafted a 100% plant-based menu that delivers can't-believe-it flavor in every bite. I know you're going to love it. Okay, so you got to shout out something like that. I mean, I hated like hell, excuse the expression, (laughs) to even mention Clint Eastwood's name, but I did. (laughs) And I then balanced it out with Kevin Hart, who was also controversial to a lot of folks. But you know what? He's doing something. He's doing something good. For the ecosystem, for the planet. Meanwhile, what are we doing here at Responsible Eating and Living Headquarters? We are making our own burgers. So there are are. options. And I'm really surprised that a lot of people, young people, your nephew for one, Noah, prefers a house-made burger as opposed to one of the Beyond or Impossible burgers. And I I feel the same way, but I'm an old guy. Well, one of the reasons could be that he was raised vegetarian and he's never eaten flesh. Yeah. So the burgers that taste like flesh don't have any kind of history for him or appeal. Right. But I was raised with flesh, and I feel the same way. Oh, and me me too. So I much prefer a bean burger, which is what you made. What did you, Tell everybody the burger that you made. Right, so you hot. may remember um, we created this recipe maybe six months ago. The Even Cowgirls Get the Blues Veggie Burger, which is gluten-free, SOS-free, and, of course, vegan. And it's got a lot of ingredients in it. For us here at home, we have all of these ingredients most of the time, and it's not that difficult to make. We always have a bean or a grain that's ready to go. 
and a variety of spices. So for somebody that doesn't have all of these things in their kitchen, it might appear overwhelming. I, I can't say, but for us, we've got it all here. And it, it was inspired by a Trader Joe's burger, which had egg whites in it. And a friend of mine was wondering if there was a recipe that we could offer that was similar. And if you look at the ingredients in the Trader Joe's burger, there's a lot of stuff in there too. And sometimes you need a lot of different spices to give a really flavorful sensation. And so, that's what this burger does. So you made that burger for us today on this hot day. And you also made something else that's on our website, which is the the sauce. Tell us about the sauce. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah, this sauce it's, is great. It's um, the chipotle, chipotle mayo. Right. And it's a cashew-based sauce, and it's very easy to make, especially if you have a high-powered blender like a... Vitamix. Vitamix. Uh, what's, what's nice in it that I like is the red pepper that you blend with the cashews. It's got garlic and chili powder, onion powder, apple cider vinegar. We'll, we'll post the link to the recipe. It's a really sure. great recipe that Gary DiMattei invented. But you know what? I'm also going to update it. Because whenever I make something, I rarely follow the recipe. Either I don't have everything on hand or, I don't know, I'm motivated. So when Gary created this recipe, he was kind of fascinated with chipotle peppers in adobo sauce. Right. Now, we don't always have them. Right, but we use chipotle powder now. Yeah, so we use the hot chipotle powder. And it comes out just as wonderful. Yeah, it's good. So yeah. I'm going to put that in the recipe as well. And the recipe has roasted red pepper. And sometimes we buy these jars of roasted red peppers and sometimes we roast, roast red peppers. peppers. And sometimes we I just have a raw red pepper. A raw red pepper works just as well. It does. I really like it. Yeah, especially if you have, as you mentioned, a high-powered blender. It just blends everything up. Anyway, this sauce is so yummy and gooey, and you don't need any cheese when you have a chipotle mayo like this or chipotle sauce. Well, the, the base for a lot of vegan cheese is cashew, so this becomes like a liquid cheese in mm -hmm. a jar. It really does. And enjoy it because it's great. So yum. We're going to make bowls tonight. We're going to top the bowls with, obviously, a bowl is has a greens base, like a, uh, a salad base, and then we'll put toppings on, and one of the toppings is our plant burger. That's right, avocado, tomato, raw onion. And that sauce. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. Right. Yeah. So that brings us joy. In other words, we're talking about what do we do to balance out this horrible news about a 70-day drought in China, which yeah. we have to be aware of because it's, you know, it's the business we're in, and and we're, we're listening to people now say the only way we can really slow this down is if we all go plant-based. Okay, so, so but you have to balance this with, with something and you need to bring joy into your life some way. And one way that we do that, one thing that brings us joy is to create this great food and then share, share it with everyone. What else do we like? <laughs> we just did something else that brought you joy and that was... In a celebration for your mom's 89th birthday. Okay. Let's are we talk going about there? that. Are we going Cause, there? Because yeah, it's right there. along, it's right along the same lines as climate disaster, <laughs> kitchen disaster. <laughs> okay.
kitchen disaster. But it does have a happy ending. Oh, it sure does. So we're going to recap what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which I believe we already touched on this. We did. Your mom's birthday. Yeah, we even played a clip of her We played a clip from Shoe Fly Pie. Shoe Fly Pie when she was a teenager. And Apple Pan Dowdy. We didn't really know what those things were until we did some research. I looked up the recipes for both of these things and I compared numerous versions because I wanted to make sure I was doing something as accurate as I could. So I compared a lot of them that said it was classic or like their grandma's. People were people were just raving about this shoe fly pie and they were raving about this apple pandowdy and we thought how bad could it be? We'll buy all of the ingredients. We'll put these two things together. You made a, a gluten-free version because you were very concerned about your niece, Maya. We talked about Noah and Noah's sister, Maya, who's a few years older than Noah, has celiac disease. So we were going to be visiting with Karen's mom and her grandchildren, Karen's mom's grandchildren, Lois's grandchildren, Maya and Noah, two of her three grandchildren were going to be there. And we didn't want Maya to eat anything that might be tainted with wheat. So and you, I prefer eating gluten-free. So you made Most a, of my recipes are gluten-free. Right. So you made a gluten-free version of the crust for the shoe fly pie and the apple pan dowdy. Tell us about it, Karen. What happened? We talk a lot about kitchen wins, and now this is a kitchen fail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a happy ending. And it's not because I made these pies vegan and gluten-free because the apple pan dowdy is pretty much vegan if you use a vegan butter instead of butter there's nothing else in it really that is animal based the shoe fly pie can have an egg in it but there were recipes that didn't have egg in it right so these weren't really recipes that were difficult to veganize that would have any change in flavor or texture or anything like that but the key ingredient in both of these was molasses. 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 The shoe fly pie had one cup of molasses in it. That's a lot of molasses. Oh, my goodness. Now, if you're a fan of black licorice, you're going to love this pie. <laughs> yeah. So we made them, and we made little versions of alongside the big ones because we wanted to taste them ahead of time. So we were going to my mom's on her birthday, which was Friday, and then everybody was coming over on Saturday. So we had the little versions on Friday night. And they were dreadful. Okay, I'm just going to say it. They were They were dreadful. dreadful. But I think they overcooked and they... Well, because they were little and I cooked them with the bigger ones. So right. that was part of it. But this flavor of molasses... Now... I don't mind licorice in some things. I don't really like herbal teas that have that licorice flavor to them. I don't mind anise and fennel, which also have that kind of licorice flavor. But I don't know. It just didn't work for me in these pies. And it, was, it didn't work for you either. It was not good now, I for want, me. Now, I said that if I was starving... Yeah. If I was a refugee somewhere and somebody offered me shoe fly pie, I would eat it with gratitude and of course. it would be fine. It wasn't vile. But when I'm having a dessert, a treat, I want to really enjoy it. And the mix of flavors just didn't work. 
It's an acquired taste, I would imagine. I suppose. Has would... anybody had shoe fly pie? Has anybody had apple pan dowdy and liked it? Yeah, so we're we're just talking about half of the pair. The apple pan dowdy, which to me was going to be a home run because it's baked apples with sugar. Yeah. The thing that really messed it up for me was the molasses. You add molasses to it and a lot of molasses. So I would do it again you without would. the molasses. Well, some recipes suggest using boiled, boiled cider. cider. Does anybody know what boiled cider is? We've never used it. Boiled cider is apparently apples that have been boiled down to a... A molasses consistency. Like a syrup. A syrupy consistency. So, so maybe the flavor of boiled cider in these pies would be better. Mixed with the brown sugar? Oh, yeah. I can't see how that would be not amazing. Yeah. So So some we, some recipes say use boiled cider. So maybe next time we try it with boiled cider. Yeah. It was an option. Boiled cider, molasses, and I forget what the other thing was. So we went and had... A family lunch at the Purple Elephant. We've mentioned it before. Yeah, we were back at the Purple Elephant. We were back there. It's nice because they have vegan and gluten-free options and something for everyone. It was great lunch. We had fun. And then we went back to the house for the cake. And I had made it very clear to everyone that I thought these pies were a disaster. And we had had a little dessert. They looked gorgeous. Thank you, Gary. They looked Gorgeous. They looked like they would have yeah, they looked nice. tasted terrific. But, I but made, this shows you about an acquired taste now. Go ahead. Say I made sure it. we Talk had, about the happy ending. I made sure we had dessert at the restaurant so because I knew the pies weren't good. So we got back to my mom's house, and I kind of raised everyone's curiosity. How bad could it be? So my brother and my niece and my nephew and my mom were all willing to try it. So I gave them little pieces and I was really, really impressed. I was really touched. It was was touching that they wanted to just give it a go. It brought me joy. It did. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about joy here and how to bring joy into your life. Well, sometimes families can surprise you because as you said... We were saying, don't eat this. It's terrible. It's horrible. We're going to toss it. And everybody wanted it. And my niece and nephew, they they didn't really want to finish it. They were it, so but they polite. Were, they, they were, were polite. Really and polite. It, they tried it. It wasn't like they were gagging, but they tried it. And my brother was the most surprising. Your mom hated it. She hated it la- the night before. With She said it was the worst thing she ever tasted. And then she hated it again. <laughs> The following day. So, but she tried it. She sang about it and she tried it. So yeah. Now she knows what she was singing about. But my brother liked it. But your brother. My brother liked it. Liked it and. And I kept telling him, you know, you don't have to eat it. It's okay. I was planning on dumping it before you came. I just never got around to it. Now that's a brother, right? And that's... so I wrapped them up to either throw away or give away. And he wanted them. He took him home. He took him home, and he had another piece. He took a picture and sent it to us after we got home. So it has a happy ending. It has a happy ending. And it's a, an acquired taste. So if you like molasses, like Barry, Karen's brother, you're going to love these pies. Yeah. If you don't, use boiled cider and let us know what it tastes <laughs> like. So that's the shoe fly pie story. A happy ending. But it was also... 
hysterical to hear your mom say, I hate it. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever tasted. After singing so beautifully, she really did make a discovery that true fly pie and apple pandati is nothing to sing about. Exactly. There are there are lyrics in the song, Mama, when you bake, Mama, for my sake, go to the oven and bake some ever-loving shoe fly pie. And I will never say that to my mom or to anyone, for that matter. You don't have to go to the oven and make me shoe fly pie. <laughs> well, that's one way you can bring joy and have wonderful things to talk about is to try new dishes that are vegan and gluten-free. But, you know, there's a strategy there, too. When you're presenting a dish, sometimes you can say, this is the most delicious thing. And then people may be passive-aggressive and say, oh, I don't know, I don't it's like it. It's not so good. But if you come along and say, this is a disaster. But <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't using any reverse psychology. You were serious. I was being honest. You were being honest. Yeah. Don't eat this. It's a disaster. But ah. Everybody wanted to try it. Now, we prefaced it by saying Karen took a lot of time cleaning all of the utensils she used. Didn't want to get any tainted utensils. You cleaned, you scrubbed all of the, the food processors and everything that you used. And you worked incredibly hard on these two pies. I mean, you really did. You really painstakingly, methodically were just making sure you did everything right. And then in the end, the taste was the thing that didn't grab us, but it grabbed someone else. Someone out there likes you fly pie. I guess so. So I guess so. There you are. End of the shoe fly pie chapter. So in addition to trying to bring joy with food, with our recipes and making food for people, we also like to go to restaurants with people and share some delicious food or foods that we think other people will like. And we got to go to one of our favorites this past week in Manhattan. And we went to the new Bodai restaurant, Kosher Vegan. They have all different kinds of names. <laughs> so it's kind of confusing, but it's on Mulberry Street. And we brought some family. Yeah, I have, I have my cousins visiting a third of the time, I guess. They live in New York and the rest of the time they live in Sausalito. We went to Nubo Dai Vegan Restaurant on Mulberry Street with them, introducing them to Nubo Dai because they like Spicy Moon. They go to Spicy Moon, which is in that same downtown area. But we took them to the Nubo Dai, which isn't really new. It's kind of old, right? <laughs> That's why the name is confusing. We've talked about this before on the show. We used to go to the one on Mott Street, which is called Buddha Bodai. And I'm saying Bodai, and I don't know if it's pronounced Bodhi or Bodai. I know there's B-O-D-H-I, which is Bodhi, but there's B-O-D-H-A-I. Is that Bodai or Bodhi also? I don't know. So there's that. But I've always been calling it Buddha Bodai. But we used to go to the one on Mott Street. And then some years ago, I heard there was some disagreement, some problem, and the restaurant split into two, and the newer one is on Mulberry Street, and we've been going to that one. 77 Mulberry Street. It's great. We enjoy it all the time. And what did you have? Well, we tried a new dish. Now, you may know that I go nuts over bean curd skin. Do you know what bean curd skin is? 
You know when you boil milk, even cow's milk, and it gets a skin on the top? You could also boil soy milk and it gets a skin on the top. Well, that skin, that soybean skin is actually, I call it a delicacy, but it's really hard to make at home. And I don't know how they do it commercially, but you lift that skin off and then you can save it and roll it and marinate it and flavor it. It's delicious. It's really delicious. So there was this bean curd skin steak in what they call the cedar sauce. I don't know what cedar sauce is. There is a Chinese cedar tree. The leaves are edible. They're supposed to taste like onions. I don't know if that's what the cedar sauce is. Maybe someone can enlighten me. But that's one of my new favorites. We had never tried that before, and it was really yum. So delicious. We got our turnip cakes that we like, and we made a recipe on responsibleeatingandliving.com to make turnip cakes a healthier whole food plant-based version that's not fried it's baked it's complicated though and i think sometimes it's just better to occasionally go for the real deal as a treat and not have it all the time right oh it was delicious we had greens it was a sauteed broccoli wasn't it chinese, chinese broccoli what were our or pea pod leaves Ah, yes. Pea so pod leaves. sautéed pea pod leaves. Really good. A lot of really great food. You had mushroom congee. My favorite. And then we also had another soup. We had a vegetable corn soup. Let's talk about corn soup. Maybe I've never talked about that before. It's very easy to make a soup using corn. Yeah. And you, one of the first dishes you made for me was a corn chowder. That's nice that you remember that, Gary. And uh, I know that... Talking about hot soups on this hot day isn't really... No, but you can have any soup cold. But this would be a soup I would eat cold. Yeah, so the key is to get good corn. And a lot of the frozen organic corn products that are out there, either at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, they make a really good sweet corn. And you could be as simple as putting this corn again in a high-powered blender adding a little bit of your favorite plant milk to it, Mm -hmm. and then just heating that up. And it's absolutely delicious. Yeah, it's yummy. So we have a recipe. it's got that thick kind of chowdery feel. Yeah, it does. It it thickens it up because corn has cornstarch in it. We have a recipe at responsibleeatingandliving.com. Haven't made it in a while, and I think it's time to bring it out. It has frozen corn kernels. Now, of course, you can use corn on the cob. I always recommend organic. And it's like impossible to find corn on the cob that's organic. Occasionally, we Occasionally do. Occasionally, we do. We've actually driven many, many miles to get it. <laughs> to get fresh corn on the cob that's organic. And then, just like any other soup, I like to add onions and garlic and celery to it. You can add potatoes and carrots and then some herbs like parsley, sage. I like to add a little caraway seed. Yeah, that's a really good hit. Now, caraway seed is not fennel seed, but caraway also has a slight licorice flavor. Not quite as strong as fennel. Maybe not right. subtle. But it's not overpowering. I just bring it up because we were talking about molasses and the licorice flavor. And then you can add plant milk to it, water, and cook it up together and blend it up together. And it's just a great soup. And you could have it, like Gary said, cold. Or hot. Yeah, if you're really looking for some chowdery and you want to be a plant-based person, 
<laughs> go with this corn chowder because it's terrific. And you can add things to it that make it more chowdery. Like, for example, I used to like clam chowder. Mm. I no longer like clam chowder, obviously. But you can add some of this tofu skin that Karen's talking about. Mm. Where you could add some baked tofu. You could add some tempeh. You could add a plant meat. You could add a chopped sun-dried tomato. You can add something to it that makes it really, really... Hearty. Give you that little chew at the end. Yeah, we like to have a chew, chew, chew. Yeah. Gary, I want to ask you some questions, if that's all right. Of course. With you. Because it came up recently in a conversation about when you went vegan. Okay. Because when you went vegan, you didn't only give up animal food. You did a number of things all at once. You quit smoking. Yes. You pretty much quit drinking. Occasionally you'll have a drink, but you were drinking a lot of alcohol. Yes. And you were eating a lot of animal products. Yes. And you gave them up all at once. All at once. The question is, how did you do that? And what was the motivation? So there's two questions. I just decided, based on information that I was given that actually opened my eyes that this lifestyle eating meat is insane. And it just all of a sudden dawned on me because I was in a really good place uh, emotionally because I had met someone who made sense. (laughs) And obviously that person is you. Well, cigarettes are addicting with nicotine. Yeah, that was Alcohol tough. can become an addictive habit, and so can food. Right. So all of, that, all of those chemicals playing with your mind, are you telling me that your mind is more powerful? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think a, lot of the, a lot of the truths about addiction... Are there. Your body craves it. It's hard for you to stop the cravings. But what I did was I really made informed choices. Everybody has the choice. And a lot of people fall into the the concept that I have no choice. I have to have this because I'm addicted to it. I don't deny that that is something that people go through. I don't deny that. I was going through it. Obviously, I... And I had to make this informed choice because I realized that if I didn't, I would not be here today to talk about it 15 years later. Mm. And I I had something that I really wanted to live for, and that was you. Mm. So I did it not for you. I did it for me because you never once pressured me into doing any of it. But you gave me a lot of information. And it wasn't like you were saying, read this, otherwise you can't go out with me. You said, here's some information for you because you sound curious. And so I listened and I read and I I listened to you. And it all made sense, finally. And so I had to make a, a conscious decision, a choice to do this. 
And so I did. Well, I don't know what it's like to be in anyone else's head. <laughs> I've said that before, and I don't think anyone else knows. For me, I made a choice when I was very young. So to some degree, it was easy because I learned how to prepare food when I was making this change. And most of the foods that I learned how to make when I first started making food was vegetarian and then vegan. And I don't know what it's like for any other individual to change. But we're always trying to help people that aren't well. And some of them are very resistant. And we're always trying to find the key to unlock that resistance and get through and help. And some people you just can't help. But I wonder what that secret ingredient is. Is it love? Yeah, I think so. I think it's love and I think it's joy. So those people that we cannot help are lacking self-love? Or other people around them that love them. This is sad. You know, I think I think the the other thing that you were talking about that I listened to was being of service, mm-hmm. opening your heart, mm-hmm. being of service. And I think the first the first person you have to be in service of is yourself. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you need to make informed choices about what's good for you and what isn't. And for me, eating animals was not good for me in more than just a weight way. I mean, I, I, I lost weight going vegan because I stopped eating animals. But much, it was much more than just weight. It was, it was also a, eating animals made me feel horrible. Mm. And physically, physically horrible. And, and you recognize really, that. I recognized that a week or so after I went vegan. Ah, so that's the thing, because I like to say you never know how good you can feel until you try it. And some people just so don't, give it a week. Some people just don't believe it. Right. I remember when I was a teenager before I stopped eating meat, I would go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac. And afterwards, I felt horrible. I felt the heaviness in my stomach. And I just accepted it as normal. There was a lot of things at that point in time in my life that I accepted as normal. It didn't even dawn on me to think that it was bad or that it shouldn't happen. Right. You know that I had advanced ovarian cancer in 2006 and, and I had to think back to what caused it. And I, I realize now that there were a lot of factors. But even when I was a teenager, I had physical problems that I ignored, that I thought were normal. And the human condition, we accept so much. We can accept a lot of aches and pains and discomfort as normal. And it can make you crabby. It can make you not a very effective person when you're putting a lot of energy into managing your discomforts. But that's a piece of it. Just accepting not feeling well. You know, being of service to yourself, being of of service to others has to start with you making a conscious choice to be of service to yourself. And that 
went with a lot of other things as well. We, we start, I started doing yoga. I fixed my frozen shoulder. I didn't go into surgery. There were, there were all of these things that I thought now I can be of service to myself and it just starts to snowball. And before you know it, every act is an act of joy, which is also an act of service. There are things that I haven't given up. I haven't given up complaining. <laughs> I haven't given up being crabby. I haven't given up a lot of things that I still need to work on. But whenever I put myself in check, whenever I realize that I've, I've stepped over the line again for whatever reason, I have to think about opening my heart. And opening your heart is really the key, I think. And that also means if you adopt a vegan lifestyle... You're going to open your heart to the animals. You're going to open your heart to the environment. You're going to open your heart to yourself. Now, I don't know if everyone can hear, but the Mr. Softy truck is in our neighborhood right now and playing the Mr. Softy theme song. And I like to call Gary Mr. Softy. We've talked about how this song sometimes is our theme song because we've been in some very interesting conversations when this song came around in our neighborhood. Right. And I like to call you Mr. Softy because you have a very tender, sensitive heart. Yes, and you have to keep that heart open. But it has to start with keeping it open about yourself. You deserve to feel good. You deserve to be at your best. And this, I can tell you, this lifestyle, eliminating the animal from your life, is the is the best thing you could do for yourself and obviously for the animals. And now, as we're discovering the environment, be selfish enough to care that much about yourself. Yeah, quitting smoking was really difficult. I also quit caffeine. That was difficult. That was probably the hardest thing I did. Oh, right. But that came later. That came later. But it, it like I said, it starts to snowball and you start to want to feel good all of the time not just occasionally you know i wanted to bring up one more thing veganic agriculture we yeah. talk about this from time to time i read a post on facebook this morning and i was going to respond and i haven't gotten to it yet but i will and it was by robin o'brien and some of you may remember back in 2013 i had robin o'brien on the program she started allergy kids foundation and robin o'brien is not a vegan but just like many people in the alternative health movement, which we are a part of, we can align on a number of things. And she was raising her children. They had a lot of allergies. And she discovered that a lot of things that are in industrial, conventional, highly processed foods are dangerous, not only to adults, but especially to children. And she learned and she ended up feeding her children healthier foods, less processed, but she didn't eliminate animals. And she posted that animals were necessary for healthy soil to grow food, that we need animal manure to, to nourish the soil. Now, I will not disagree that manure can be helpful, in soil because nature is smart and we need to 
take everything that comes through life and decompose it and recycle it. And our excrement, our poop, needs to be recycled. It needs to be broken down and reused, just like animal manure. But it is not true that our soil requires animal manure in order to be healthy. And there are numerous farms now that are growing food organically, veganically, without any animal inputs. And my response to people who say that they feel they need to use animal manure to make soil healthy, I say, fine. But you don't have to kill and you don't have to exploit and you don't have to take from the animals that you are allowing to poop on the soil. You can use their manure and toss it in and mix it in with your soil. But why do you have to kill these animals? Why do you have to take their milk? Why do you have to artificially inseminate them and take their babies and maybe kill their babies so that you can have their milk? Or, or raise the sheep for their wool? Or raise the goats for their milk and everything else? Why? If you feel like you need the manure, sure, have some lovely animals and get to know them and watch them raise their families and be with their friends. And you can allow them to feed on your property or you can help them find their food. Why do you have to exploit them? And that's my response to those who say we need animal manure to make healthy soil. Yeah, so the veganic agriculture that you're talking about is really a big deal now. And a lot of folks are really jumping on that. And you've interviewed several of them. So maybe you should post a link to a couple of those interviews. Sure. The thing about manure today, unfortunately, is if you're on a small farm or you have some animals and you're feeding them and taking care of them and everything is organic, their manure is going to be fine adding it to the soil. But there's so much manure now that comes from animal agriculture, CAFOs, animals that are confined and are fed food that isn't organic, and, and they're concentrating residues of biocides, biocides, I'm calling them biocides, those pesticides and herbicides that we don't need to consume in any form and then because they're confined, they're not healthy, and the disease comes out in their poop, and we mix that in the soil, and it doesn't make the soil healthy. Why are we having so many recalled vegetables, spinach recalls, and other plant food recalls? Because the manure that's in the soil is contaminated. This we do not need. Right. Very well said, Karen. <sighs> and you're passionate about it. I am. I am. I am. I'm passionate. So <laughs> how do you balance that? We make delicious food. That's right. And I can't tell you how I am looking forward to our meal tonight. Yeah, it's going to be great. Our even cowgirls get the blues burgers with chipotle sauce. And we're going to have a little crudy tay on the side, some chopped celery that we're going to dip into a nice eggplant 
Baba ganoush. Baba ganoush. The French call it eggplant caviar. Blended eggplant with a little lemon juice and tahini. Just a lovely light summer dip. Right. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. And done. then for dessert, maybe one of our one of our favorite frozen what? desserts. Which you have several on the website. Which yeah, they're all on the front page right now. Yeah, it looks really yummy. And but they're so we, easy to make. Yeah. Again, with a high-power blender and just some frozen berries, you could make yourself and a little powdered chocolate. You could make yourself something yummy. Yummy, and if you don't have a... If you don't have a powered, high-powered blender, you can use a regular blender and just make like a, a shake. Hey, you know what I did the other night? I nope. wanted some ice cream, but I didn't have ice cream. I took some frozen mango and I ate it. It was fantastic. Just yeah. little frozen pieces. Yeah, this And is you could great. just suck on them. And that's the other thing that happened after I went vegan was my taste buds opened up and I could really taste things mm. again because mm-hmm. the food that I was eating was loaded with salt Loaded with oil and loaded with sugar. And that all went away and reawakened my taste buds. It really is such a wonderful discovery. It is. Yourself. (laughs) And uh, we've talked about all of that and what damns your taste buds. All of that salt, oil, and sugar. I think we can uh, safely say that if you go vegan, your taste buds come back. We also have a little mini watermelon. We had half of it the other day, and there's a little, there's another half left over. We have to have that. And this was one of the sweetest, most perfect watermelons. It didn't have seeds. I I like watermelon with seeds, but it didn't have seeds. But it was organic. There's a few seeds in there. Yeah. We like to make things without seeds. That's one of my, that's one of the raspberry seeds in my wisdom kind of complaints. That all foods that have seeds should keep their seeds so that we could continue to grow them. But people and don't like seeds for some reason, and we well, grow. Somebody's going to be monopolizing all of our seeds one day, and our water, and our manure, and our soil. <laughs> but again, we can balance it out by making healthy food now today. That's right, and so, knowing that we're not exploiting anything. In the process. If for any reason you're feeling down because the world is an interesting place, we recommend finding your kitchen and making food that's gentle on the planet and nourishes you and your family. And you can find a lot of joy in that. Yes. And with that, with I will that, I wrap will it say, up. I will say the philosopher Tagore had it best. Oh. I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. (laughs) Where did you find that? You know me, I'm all about quotes. You're the quote man. Service is joy. Service. If you're feeling down, do something good for someone. Start with yourself. Amen. And we know someone who is all about love. And her name is Joy. That's right. Hey, Joy, we miss you. Hi, Joy. All right, Gary, thanks for joining me on this hour. Yes, and thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Have Have a a delicious delicious week. week.